Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Reminders Podcast. Today I'm welcoming on my friend Jared Presley of the Jared Presley Experience. You can find him on Spotify and all places you find music. We're going to be featuring one of his songs in this episode called Saturday Morning Cartoons. So again, taking a mindful review style episode today. Um, kicking off with Jared's tune and then I'm also going to have a listen through of one of my songs called Ineffable. What you hear right now in this intro is the song Enough is Enough. These are both from the Fate Weaving EP which is what I consider my fall autumn release. So if you're looking for some some fall tunes to add to your playlists, even though it's probably November by the time you hear this, uh, not too late for, for some fall music vibes. Um, not too much to say in the intro for this one. It's a pretty straightforward episode. Um, at one point, I mentioned Burkus and don't really explain that. Um, so Burkus is a venue that Jared and I played at earlier this year. And it's a circus-themed brewery in Ludlow, Kentucky. And so I was sort of talking to him about circusy associations and mentioned that venue but i didn't really tie that together for anyone that wasn't familiar with that location uh really cool spot i would love to play there again it was it was a really cool vibe having um well they have performers doing the acrobatics and fire spinning and sort of uh festive circus extravaganza as such so that was that was really cool to have that going on while we were playing um, anyway, yeah, let's let's dive on in. What's your experience with meditation? Have you had any practice with it or done it at all? Not proper meditation, not really. I mean, trying to like when I'm relaxing or I'm working on art or music. I mean, in a way, I kind of look at that as that as meditation, but not in the For sense sure. that most people do. Not um, what you would learn and say. Not necessarily yoga studios, but in general, um, not really proper meditation. Gotcha. So in that regards, I would be consider myself a beginner. Cool, cool. Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people relate to it, how you would respond to that. Um, what I would say, man, is like, I really almost feel like we need to reframe or re either redefine meditation or use a different word entirely. But if yeah. I had to, um, if I had to reduce it to just a simplistic phrase, I would say that really all that meditation is getting at is just the practice of focus. It's just choosing to consciously be aware of what our attention is and to notice what's here. And I think to your point, a lot of times it gets conflated with like formal sitting meditation. Yeah. But just as there's, you know, you know, exercise is a broad term. There's many different practices of exercising the body. That's same with meditation. Meditation is like a mental exercise, but there's many different modalities for it. You know, like you mentioned yoga, but there's mindfulness meditation, the the walking meditation where you're just simply aware of um, exactly what it is you're doing, even if you're doing the chore, like doing chores or doing the dishes or something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, that gets to the point where if you're at your job and uh, you have yeah. the need to meditate, you're able to do that. It, it, you can do it anywhere pretty much you go. You're not confined to a space to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
And much like you, for me, art and music is my biggest form of, you know, tapping into the flow state, which is really in the same realm as the meditative experience. Um, so yeah, I have this, this um, series on my YouTube channel called Mindful Reviews. And just in the last two episodes, one's released and the other has not yet released, which I'll release before this one with my friend Andrew. And we did a similar thing. We just went, excuse me, we went through one of his songs that he recently released. And um, yeah, I'm basically just inviting you, myself, and anyone listening to like come back to the moment and to listen to this track with like full presence and just simply notice what comes up. I'll go ahead and walk us into that, guide us into that meditative moment now. So got my singing bowl ringing here. If you want to close your eyes, feel free. Let's just take a moment to come back to the natural state of being. Just our natural flow of breathing in and out. Not forcing any particular breath pattern, just noticing what's already occurring. Bringing some consciousness to that subconscious activity. Just noticing how our body feels. Witnessing our thoughts, not trying to push them away, but also not identifying with them as fully as we may usually do. Just focusing on the breath. Just noticing what comes up in the moment. And from this state, let's enjoy this tune, Saturday Morning Cartoons. And just notice what comes up in our field.
Beautiful. Oh, thank you, thank you. Back chat. Yeah, that was really cool, man. That that was perfect for a nice Zen meditative lesson. Like really put me in a chill zone. Like I almost oh, don't you, feel like you. talking now. Like I just kind of want to like keep the headphones on and like kick back and I mean a lazy boy. Just like that was yeah, that was nice, man. That was comfy. Oh, cool. like thank that. you, thank you. Um, the challenge of doing different songs. I try to do different moods um yeah i don't it's really difficult i mean for all of us at different points we don't want to repeat ourselves that's one of the difficult things as tempting as that can be i also kind of just i have to challenge myself i mean i don't want something to be too similar to another song of mine or another song of somebody else's um and even then listening back because this song's a couple years old over a couple years old now at different points i'll listen back but like not not this time, but at different points, I'll be like, what could I have done different? Mm. And that's the nice thing about playing live, because, I mean, there's definitely the melody parts that I pretty much stick. I mean, I might improvise a tiny bit, but then, like, the solo, solo parts, um, there's more wiggle room for improvising over. For that particular track, did, were, was there anything that came up that you feel like you'd do differently if you did it again? Um, or are you just saying that's that's one of the things that kind of oh it's always because I did a few takes for the solo this all and mm -hmm. so it's always like and sometimes playing live um, if you solo before um, playing live at different points you'll get a really good take and sometimes you won't sometimes I, I focus on that too much like I could have done this better or that better and the same with chord playing or whatever else songwriting wise I mean sure. that's always something I kind of my biggest credit in that way i kind of overanalyze do you consider yourself a perfectionist um in some ways yeah 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 i feel that i i've done a bit of work to relax my perfectionism i have definitely gone through the experience of feeling over analytical about my art but i think at the end of the day, as long as I'm expressing something in a as authentic way as I can, I think that's what, what resonates with people. You know, I used to be yeah. like really hung up about, you know, production quality and things like that and just everything really, really sounding as clean as the records I grew up listening to, yeah. you know, and I think I've made strides in that in that domain, you know. What you have to remember about that is the budget that they had. Yeah, and those and the equipment they had is, we just don't have it, especially for exactly. um, higher end um, apps who have the funds to support that. Yeah, big big you know state of the art studios and stuff like that is obviously going to have a few more bells and whistles that can clean the polish out those you know little blemishes of of recordings more so than I may be able to do in my home studio. But I think to your point, like. Even, you know, I think about like, you know, there's certain bands that I listen to that their first album, you can tell like they weren't in the biggest studio. You know, it's a lot more rough around the edges. Uh, one band I can think of is Coheed and Cambria, their first album. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, you know, it's good music, but it's definitely not, you know, there once they signed with whatever it was, Warner Brothers or whatever, like yeah. their production value went up a ridiculous amount. Even Tool. Tool's another good band. 
to to cite for that. You know, their early stuff's very grunge, dark. You know, not very uh, polished in the studio the way it is now. But sometimes uh, that can be better, depending on some acts. I mean, sometimes something can be overproduced. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. Now, I mean, that all comes down to opinion, but still, I mean, this things I've listened to that like it's way overproduced. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, one one band that comes to mind that I feel that way about the Head and the Heart. Do you know Do you know of them at all? Not really. No. Okay, their first album. It doesn't sound bad. It doesn't sound like they recorded it in a garage or anything like that. Yeah. I think it sounds great, but it's a very raw, acoustic, folksy album, and it just has that raw heart to it. And then all of their albums since then. Not saying that the music's not good, but it's just this like oh, almost overly polished, so sheen, you know, type of aesthetic. And I just feel like it almost sort of robs them of the, that original, like just grassroots kind of raw folks, folksy music, you know? Oh, yeah. And especially if you listen to recordings before the digital era and after, I feel yeah. like it's still... It's, I think, like, for, at first, digital recordings weren't that great. I feel like it's gotten better. Yeah. People were just more used to it. But right at first... And it's like, also gotten a lot better, too. Oh, yeah, but and yeah, it, it keeps on yeah. doing that. But, I mean, it's still, with that rawness you were talking about, I feel like that's just people being comfortable in the environment, um, depending on where they record it. Especially yeah. if it's at home. I mean, it's something, too, that if you're in an environment, you can do as many takes as you want. You're not pressured, like, oh, we're spending a ton of money in the studio. You don't have to feel like you have to get that right take right then. I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of that factor into that. I, I That's a really great point, and I can clearly relate to that because I, I'm in that second camp of, you know, I'm a, I've got a home studio and I have, you know, infinite time, so to speak, to do infinite takes on a thing. And I think that's, there. it's a two-edged sword, in my opinion. On one hand, it, it is a convenience and it's nice, but I think that there was, there was also something to be said for that pressure, that sort of like, you know, the diamonds that come out of the pressure of studio pressure and of there being a a sense of urgency in the studio think about the classic albums from the 70s you know like they're getting in there and like unless they were already at the top of their game they probably didn't have infinite time infinite studio time yeah but it's like you get in there and you you practice your craft (laughs) i think a lot more than people do today i'll definitely speak for myself you know i don't practice as much as i i probably would have out of necessity practiced a lot more if I were growing up, you know, as a musician in the seventies or sixties where, you know, you didn't have the luxury of nudging things in pro tools and whatever, you know, you had to be metronome good. You had to have your chops really, really solid. That's what set you apart, you know? But I also think that made them better live players. If you listen to live albums back then compared to now, not that there's people who can't play live now, of course, I just mean in, Mm -hmm. in a general sense. No, I hear you, yeah. Something else, too, with actual studio recording, you have a sound engineer, and depending on who that is, you can learn a lot from them, and they can really help you in ways that, or see things that you might have may have not seen. Or Absolutely. Heard, I, heard, I, I should say, but yeah. Absolutely, yeah. No, there's there's a lot of value to having a third-party perspective in it. Probably any creative work, you know, even as a, I don't know, a writer or author you know, think about the the relationship they have with their editors and stuff like that, you know, just to, ha- to have someone giving a fresh perspective, you know, because it's so easy to get in the weeds of our own art. And yeah. like you said, just kind of like overanalyze our own 
expression, but if someone else can be like, yo, that that's really cool, like leave that or this part, ah, why don't why don't you simplify that? You know, like you're thinking too hard on this one part. Let's let's just simplify. You know, sometimes it's hard to do that for ourselves. Yeah, and you know, we need healthy criticism. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's something. I mean, if we're, if not, we don't learn. Exactly. Or or it just takes a lot longer to learn it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Totally. Um, one thing uh, that that stood out from from your track that I wanted to point out too. Um, the guitar, I almost felt like it was playing the role of like a, a horn. I'm not sure. Maybe like a saxophone or maybe a, or not a saxophone, a trombone or something. It had this very like warm, but, um, legato type of sound to it. So I, I'm assuming you're talking about the lead with the legato. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yep. For that one, I was really influenced. Um, it's a couple guitar players who really use the legato technique. Not familiar. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, say, Alan Holdsworth. I've heard the name, but no, not really. He's really good, and and I guess more mainstream would be Joe Satriani. Okay, yeah, okay, that, yeah, definitely so, no, Satriani. Okay, so with that, um, that's kind of what I was influenced wise. Gotcha. Sometimes I'll pitch a lot, but I mean, it always sounds better doing a lot of legato stuff, in my opinion. If you're trying to do lead, whatever. If you're doing like an instrumental, or even if you're just doing a solo in a a band mm-hmm. um i mean of course you can still alternate pitch but if it's all just alternate pitching it it doesn't have the same appeal to me that's a gotcha. personal choice gotcha so you you're you're finger picking for for a lot of your playing is that what you're saying no no what i'm saying is hold on like with like the pitch yeah uh, instead of like if you play three notes just for the audience you're playing three notes you would pick every note with alternate mm-hmm. pitching um, but with legato, you'd hit it once, or sometimes you just tap and do that. I see um, what you're saying. So yeah, it's going to be more of a horn-like quality because with like mm-hmm. horn players, um, you know, th- they're not necessarily articulating each yeah. note with their. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, you're changing the keys. Yeah, yeah, and getting lots of notes out of one articulation. Unless they're doing a lot of staccato type of stuff. No. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in, cool. in my way, that sounds more natural to me, mm-hmm. especially if it's singing. It's singing the same way, too. Um, you don't really, you kind of more flow to the next note. You don't really, really, and unless it's some styles, might do. Yeah, sure. You don't really staccato a lot in singing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and for the benefit of any listeners that aren't music nerds like ourselves, uh, staccato meaning like you're really articulating each each note has a short duration type of thing rather than it flowing one note into the next the way you know we might speak like i'm doing right now one word is flowing into the next without a break in between that's the legato style yeah, that we're talking and don't about. get me yeah and don't get me wrong staccato can be like really cool oh but, yeah i mean it's contrast you know but you just don't want to do it like only staccato it also sound like a machine exactly Exactly. So then there was another point where it felt like, I guess, a second guitar came in and it sounded even more like a horn. It had a sort of brassy feel to that. Was that just another guitar? Do you remember? You might not okay, know uh, what spot I'm talking about. Yeah, I'll explain. Um, obviously, there's the acoustic guitar that's way yeah. in the back. There's the cello, mm-hmm. um, the drums. There's the bass guitar actually in there. And there's the lead. 
Um, there's only one lead guitar, but there's a couple points okay. where I'll adjust the knobs depending on what section, just for a slight variation. Maybe it was the cello I was hearing then. Yeah. No, that's cool though. So, so when it comes to production, are you putting all this to, together yourself? Or? No. Um, as far as who helped me mix and master it, that would be Devin Wirtz of uh, Radio Artifact. Okay, cool. Yeah, I know Devin. Yeah, awesome. so he, that was his work as far as gotcha. mixing and all that. Gotcha. Cool. Then you had the different people playing the instruments. I mean, I did all the guitar stuff, but it's yeah. people doing the other things. Gotcha. Who, who was drumming? Uh, Jim Dooley. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I really like that jazzy sort of feel. And it, it was funny because you, you and I played at Berkus and uh, <laughs> yeah. what was that? Lud Ludlow, yes. Kentucky? Yeah. At Ludlow Theater. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now, like, I just have this circus association with <laughs> the Jared Presley experience. You know what I mean? So uh -oh. it, I, there was something like cartoon esque about this track. You know, you called it Saturday Morning Cartoons, and I was always almost feeling like some circusy sort of vibes from it too. Well, but what what uh what inspired that um title? Um, choice? So the song started off when I wrote the song. Like, if you hear the acoustic in the background, that's what, yeah what it was. So it was an acoustic, gotcha. I believe. Forget the tuning, but it was just this. I did like an E major tuning or something. Oh, okay. Um, just playing these chords, wrote the chords down. It took me a while before I really got the progressions I wanted. Um, and while I was doing it, I just had memories of growing up, me and my brother watching Saturday morning cartoons, mm -hmm. which, from what I know, is not a thing anymore. I guess not, yeah. I wouldn't really know. No, I mean, I haven't watched TV. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Ages. <laughs> right. But from yeah. what I've heard, it's not. Well, I mean, it's just every everyday morning cartoons these days on YouTube and whatever streaming sites people are on. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, but yeah, when we were growing up, it was, it was Saturday mornings. Well, I feel like there's something to that where it's almost oversaturated now. I well, like kids now, you have information and all the stuff everywhere. It seems like it's so many, so much stimulus. And to go back to your meditation, meditation. Do you feel like a lot of the younger generation have or will have a harder time like meditating or just focusing with all this distraction? I think so. I think I think unfortunately probably all of us are sort of oh, yeah. influenced in that way. But yeah, I, I think about that a lot. Because at least, you know, people you and my ages, you know, we, we had a time before the internet was as saturated as it is now. Um, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but I grew up in the 90s, you know, I was born in 91, yeah. you okay. know, so there there technically was the internet as soon as what, I don't know, 97, it became more commercial, but I'm pretty sure it, it existed in some primitive form throughout the 90s. Yeah, um, in 89, I feel like it kind yeah. of started, but it was it, until like mid 90s, it's when it got the boom it did. And now it's still when you know web pages a lot of times it's like basic html whatnot um yeah well before the time of social media which i consist of a huge part of it now that and well these yeah phones um yeah which i'm curious what it will be like in the next 20 years because i was just thinking about 2002 and like so much has changed since then i don't even know what's going to be like 2042 like 
I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in 2024. <laughs> I but mean, I mean, like, that's, that's, a, that's a easier jump in yeah, thought. Yeah, totally, totally, yeah. Then 20 years where there most certainly will be a lot of changes. No, no doubt. Yeah, I know. I... Yeah, I don't know, man. I I try not to think too too hard about it because it's a little overwhelming. But I yeah. think that we I think there is a healthy dose of um, visualization that we all need to do about our futures and what type of excuse me what type of environments we want to be not just occupying but building. And that's something I think about a lot. I mean, not to get too 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 deep uh, out of nowhere, but. Um, you know, I, I think about just like what role do I want to be playing? What what am I doing with my life in this moment when things are kind of I mean, I wanted to say in an upheaval, but I don't know, man. I think about just how much of an upheaval society felt in twenty twenty and how we've all like sort of I can't say us all, but I certainly don't feel as um, connected to that like rage, that outrage that was existing in 2020, you know, whether it be just from the pandemic or from, you know, civil rights um, upheaval, you know, whatever it was, social injustice. Yeah. There was a lot of that in the air in 2020. And that's actually a pretty decent segue to sharing the song that I want to show you. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So, so that, that song is a part of the collection um that i released about this time last year actually it's called the fate weaving ep and um those are all songs that i started in 2020 and they're each it's it's a four track four song ep and each one sort of represents a different aspect of just different realms i was sort of exploring as far as like i said this sort of social upheaval and and just that idea of fate weaving you know this idea of being um not necessarily in control of our fate but an active participant in it cool well you know what i mean the song, yeah the song you wanted me to listen to starts at sit so five yeah, so that, that video I sent you, that's the whole EP. So this is track two. Okay. Yeah, the first track is called Enough is Enough. And that one uh, was was pretty explicitly um, exploring, you know, the Enough is Enough sort of slogan in the Black Lives Matter movement. And um, so that one, that one sort of speaks for itself. Ineffable is the track I want to show you. Okay. And uh, actually, the, the only reason why I chose that song... Um, is because we're we're in fall, you know, the, this season right now. I just <laughs> oh, yeah. that 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 EP has a very fall vibe to me, and um, as far as lyrical content, I mean, I'll let you listen to it and then we can we can discuss. Cool. Um, I won't take us through the whole meditative uh, briefing again, but let's just get ourselves back into that space. Okay. Let's melt on in. This track is called Ineffable.
Sometimes it's hard because I really like this one and there's a lot of different things in it and a lot of times with songs you ha almost have to hear them multiple times if you want to focus on different instruments, you know, especially so if you're in the production part of it. Um, I really like the, I guess, keyboard synths in it in the background of how they were really um, basically with the chord progressions that you're doing. It was really nice. And I think it, it was... Uh, like guitar swells, like 
in the background or like guitars, slides at one point. It sounded really yep. good. So so that's actually my fretless guitar. Oh cool. Yeah, yeah. So talk about legato, you know. Definitely glissandling. <laughs> Those aren't even play. No, no, they're not, which is why I uh don't really play too um articulately with it. I'm using it pretty much like you said, like a slide guitar. It sounds yeah. good though, but um lyrically I like the melody of the voice. Um I wasn't able to make out all the words. Um if you could explain um I know you did already did, but I guess more in depth as far as lyric wise, uh about the song, what you were going for. Sure, sure. Well, thank you for for the uh, for the feedback on that. Um, before I get to that, I'm just going to give a little brief feedback of my own, just like the experience of listening back to that. Yeah. Because you know, I, I'm finding that when I really give myself space from my own music, uh, I can appreciate it so much more in a more objective, like a, like a like a listener um, perspective rather than like you were saying earlier, rather than being in this analytical mode of like, okay, how can I make this better? You know, because yeah. being, being the musician and the producer, I'm, I'm juggling these two hats of like pure expression and then sort of analyzing that expression and thinking, how can this be the clearest it can be? And that's sort of hard to juggle between those two. Um, and it's difficult to just enjoy the music for, for its own sake you know, when I have that relationship to it. So like I said, I put this song out a year ago and listening to it now, like I really enjoyed listening to that. Like I, I I don't even really necessarily remember doing all of the elements for it. I feel like I was able to appreciate it in more of a unbiased uh, perspective. Yeah. But part of, uh, part of what's special about this song is that I, I guess I started it on guitar and just sort of, I'm sure it was late at night, some session, definitely down here. It was the basement studio. And uh, yeah, just just put down a little demo of the guitar lick and then recorded the drums like the next day or something Mm -hmm. and then completely forgot about doing that at all for like six months. So this song was sort of like a little surprise to myself when i found it i was like oh cool this is a cool seedling of a song like i definitely need to finish this and then i added bass and and the vocals were um very um what's the word i'm looking for i guess improvisational okay will will suffice there was a different word i was looking for but um yeah i i just did a take or two or three and stuck with that for almost the entire production process. And then at the end, I revised the lyrics that I had just sort of improvised and made it a little bit more clear in certain sections, um, tightened up the the melody in certain spots and stuff like that. So the lyrics are very um, just abstract. And, you know, I mean, one of the lyrics is, I cannot explain the ineffable, yeah. but that won't stop me from singing into the mystery. And that, that pretty much encapsulates the the gist of the songs that, you know, yes, it is me sort of attempting to put words to the wordless mystery that is what it means to be here, to be human, you know, 
to have a relationship to uh, the mystical side of existence. Um, it's yeah, it's just me poetically throwing paint at the canvas when it comes to that that yeah. topic. Yeah, I feel like that's a good way of doing it. How you did it, where you kind of improvise with the lyrics. Um, you didn't have anything. I don't want to say heavy-handed, but where it's really more, I guess, where it makes you think afterwards. Might yeah. be a better term. No, I feel what you mean. Yeah, there there are certain songs that have more of a finite meaning. This one doesn't really have a finite meaning. It's more of a playful exploration. Yeah. But as you can tell from the mood of the song, it's also a little... I don't know if melancholy is the right word, but there's a certain... I don't know, darkness or or uh, mystical sort of feel to it. It's not an entirely playful, cheery, but playful, just like willing to explore the the void, if you will. Oh, yeah, and so. especially the chord progression choices you chose really convey that, I feel. Yeah. Like. I'm not positive what mode that would be in. I only listened to it one time. But it's more of that, what you're saying, of that type of sound. I guess some type of minor, possibly. I couldn't tell you what the mode is. I It might. There might be parts where it's Phrygian. There might be okay. parts where it's Mixolydian. I'm not sure. I, I do gravitate towards those two. Yeah. But when it comes to that aspect of, of writing, excuse me, um, I'm not very heady about chord progressions it's it's all very flow for me it's just okay. whatever comes up so yeah that okay. was the guitar all, every part of this was improvised you know what i mean like of course i didn't necessarily keep all first takes of improvisation oh, yeah. but you know what i mean like there was no like t nothing too consciously put together but that was the other part that i was going to say to pat myself on the back because when it comes to drumming Usually I'm splicing a hundred takes together and pretending that I performed something brilliant. But this this was actually like one take that I did the drum parts for this and maybe like No, it's impressive. Cropped a couple uh mistakes, like maybe like duplicated a bar here or there, or something like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was really just one take, so I was pretty pleased with that. Yeah, I always have to get a drummer. Like I, I just I don't have a drum set. I kinda just I just, focus everything on just guitar playing for me that's just by my choice um i mean for people who can do all these instruments it's very impressive it's not an easy feat it's funny you say that because i was talking with uh, my buddy andrew last week and we were having a similar discussion about you know doing everything yourself versus working with a producer or hiring musicians to you know fill out um you know the session and everything and he was saying that um, that he personally can't relate to uh, performing all of the roles of a band yeah. by himself. And I was thinking about it, and he used this term sub-personality because he, uh, he speaks multiple languages. And this recent EP that he put out is in Japanese. So he was oh, saying wow. that it's sort of, yeah, it's sort of like he's able to express like this sub-personality within himself. I was like, oh, that's a perfect way of um, how I relate to the different instruments I play. You know, because of course, like, you wouldn't call it chemistry, because chemistry is just something that happens in a room with multiple elements, you know? Yeah. I'm not happening in a room 
by myself playing five different instruments, but by layering these different things, I can, I, I do have a different personality on each instrument that I play, which is kind of a fun thing to explore. Again, it's, it's easy to, to not do it well, to get, you know, uh, my, I, I realized this about myself recently. Um, I grew up listening to progressive rock music. Oh, cool. Like my, so did my I. Fir- yeah, really? Okay, cool. Like Rush, Pink Floyd, um, that's a couple examples. Um, but later on, Dream Theater. Yeah, Dream Theater was the number one for me. When I was in fifth grade, I got into Dream Theater. It went like Backstreet Boys in third grade, Led Zeppelin in fourth grade, Dream Theater in fifth grade. And I was obsessed with them. And so I realized, like, for whatever reason, I was thinking about this. I realized that that really conditioned me to prioritize complexity over simplicity in this sort of like, I mean, I'll say it's somewhat snobby fashion of like complex is cool. And like, if it's, if it's more complicated, it's cooler, it's better, but that's, that's simply not true at all. It's a tool. Like you can, yeah. Ideally for me, like the song I sent you, I mean, some of the guitar parts are complex, but the chord progression itself is not complex. Yeah. Now, I, f- I feel like, ideally, I want to do different songs that have a lot more complicated chord progressions. I'd like to feel like, ideally, musicians should, like, it would be nice to be able to do both. And yeah, Depending absolutely. on the song you want to do. Um, not think about, is it too many chords or too few chords, but what fits the song? So I don't think exactly. the right answers. I mean... Yeah, for what you're saying, yeah. I mean, that's just really just comes down to your preference. But you were saying as far as having a, you felt like a snobby at one point, where you feel like well, you had to have a ton of yeah. Stuff. And I think I think that's because I was so young when I was listening to that type of music, and like yeah. my older brother got me into it, and just sort of the attitude we had about music at the time was like a little bit elitist, you know. And I I, I definitely grew out of that pretty quickly, but I haven't totally like analyzed or let go of that like sort of core perspective and um yeah it's not that i've like totally prioritized that in my music i I don't write progressive music per se by any means there are progressive elements you might say but it's definitely not like prog rock or anything like that you know um but anyway i guess i guess the reason why that was interesting or valuable for me to realize about myself is because if I can, like you said, there's, you didn't say this in these words, but you know, what you're getting at is that there's, there's different tools for different applications. So simplicity is a tool to that works in certain uh, situations. Like if you have a message that you want to get out to people, keep it simple, you know, package it, present it simply so that more people can access it and relate to it you know and if you have and if you're trying to build up this epic climax then yeah make it complicated make it go on this journey and that will have like a greater and more more depth to that climax or that experience of epic proportion or whatever you know they're different applications for sure and i think that even like john pertucci would agree with that yeah probably yeah the guitarist of a dream theater for those who yeah, for, okay. for the non-nerds out there. <laughs> yeah, I grew up on John Petrucci. I mean, he was my favorite guitarist throughout junior high and high school and stuff. Like, I learned a bit of his stuff, but I think I got to the point in my 
uh, journey as a guitarist where I just, I realized I, I didn't have the drive or ambition or discipline to become the best guitarist in the world, you know? If and you, I realized that... Yeah, if you ever read, like, Steve Vai's, like, practice 10 plus hours a day, it's like, you don't have that type of time, even if you are a full-time musician. Exactly. And, you know, you don't have to be the greatest. You can still do cool stuff if you work hard on stuff, but you don't have to play... Like, I don't think I've ever practiced 10 hours a day, even when I'm off or something, because I don't have the energy. I'm, I mean, I'm getting older now, but even when I was, like, 16, 17... I didn't have the energy to do that. I don't think I've ever even stayed awake for 10 hours in a day. No, I'm joking. No, uh, I've definitely done that. I, but... Yeah, me too, for sure. <laughs> I'm just being silly. But yeah, no, totally, man. I, I, I 100% feel you. And I think part of it for me was like um, also recognizing like where, you know, my conditioning is coming into play. Like why did I even have that idea that like, if you're going to do it really well, you need to be the best. Like, that's kind of a silly idea. That's a very individualist idea, very, like, taking a competitive nature to something. Music, which is a very collaborative field, you know, it. I don't think it should be about competition. You know, we shouldn't be trying to outdo each other. Well, yeah, that's, um, I feel strongly about that. And, you know, honestly, from what, like, Satriani and other players, they don't see it that way. It's why I, well, I guess this might be a hot take. I really am not, I don't have warm feelings about awards, like those awards they have. I, I yeah. don't like it when they do that because I don't want it to ever be a competition. Like, exactly. I play a lot of like intricate stuff, but it's not to be the best. I just think it sounds cool. That's really why right. I've done that. That's why I exactly. put the practice in because I, I feel like it sounds cool. I enjoy it. And that's why I put the time in. It's not to be. Like, best, that's, what if whoever's your favorite or best, I mean, it doesn't matter, really. Totally. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly right, and it's, it's really just about expression. We learn how to do fast lines or complicated chord progressions or whatever it is. We learn to, to make the simple expression complex because we enjoy it, because it's fun, yeah. because it's part of the journey. You know, music is about expression. It's not about being the best or, you know... But I will Whatever, say, so. we should always be learning still. We should always sure. want to improve and want to like learn new theory, practice new skills, chords, even if we don't utilize them immediately or maybe even never really. I mean, it's still, it's always good to learn like these tools of the trade. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally agree with you, but I also would defend someone who is comfortable where they're at. And that's yeah. just, you know, I mean, you and I are professionals, so of course we want to constantly you know hone in on our craft and get better and learn more and you know well, understand I, more of the picture yeah but that also kind of goes outside of music as well um as far as learning new things um right you just of, don't want to stagnate yeah yeah but i understand what you're saying like no not everyone's goal is going to be like did to be this intricate musician but mm -hmm. even if it's not worth music per se if it's something else i mean if they're trying to learn something else or like improve themselves that i feel like should i mean would be a healthy goal yeah regardless. i think so i think so but you know just for the sake of you know representing the other side of the field like i think that again it's a two-sided coin i think sometimes growth can be unhealthy like look at uh the way that we approach economy in our system you know that's this idea that we need to constantly 
every year have a bigger bottom line and always be showing more and more profit. So this idea of like economic growth, I mean, nothing in nature grows infinitely, right? So I think that, oh, yeah. um, you know, part of it is is learning to rest, learning to unveil some of the things that we've uh, taken on as far as conditioning and things that... Um, that we didn't choose to learn, like the things that we picked up in childhood, you know, our, our cultural conditionings. I think as uh, conscious, healthy adults, part of the process is unlearning some things too. Do you, do you feel what I mean oh, by no. that? And also, you know, I agree with that. I yeah. feel like with the, what you're trying to move the growth of that capital, capital, I feel like that's taking away from something, like whatever, if you're working a ton of hours and like not like balanced emotionally, so that's what that's what I'm saying. So there's other parts of you that should be growing, even if mm -hmm. so. All growth in itself, no. I mean, you just don't have the time of day. You don't like every aspect can't grow. That's too much for a human being to handle. So it exactly. has to be more balanced. Exactly. I, I guess a, that would be a better way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even as they say, like the universe is expanding, but eventually it'll contract. And you know, I mean, or or look at it more on a microcosmic scale, like a tree. Yeah doesn't continue to grow forever you know yeah. like we have these these um these cycles so yeah i absolutely agree with you and it's it really comes back to balance and so many conversations everything is is just coming back to balance balance is key for, for for health i feel you know moderation even moderation as they say well you're but, for music i mean there's a point where some days you know it might be best to focus on something that's not music related just get a different perspective just not to burn yourself out i've done that in the past i'll be honest yeah me too me too and you know what sometimes taking breaks from the things that we love help us have more to give to the things we love mm -hmm. in this particular case music when i take a break from music actually experience my life yeah then i have more to bring more to express plus you I'm have more like motivation yeah yeah that too more space more, yeah more motivation more drive energy etc because you've been exactly. away from it so you're excited like hey i want to really crank something out instead of just it being another practice session that you already had maybe once or twice earlier today exactly yeah oh yeah real quick if you got another minute before we before we sign off here okay i just like to give a, a opportunity at the end of episodes if is is there anything that we talked about that you want to highlight anything that stood out to you and or is there anything that you wanted to say that you didn't get a chance to say? And I was able to credit all of the musicians. Uh, again, um, the drums was Jim Dooley. The cello was Kate Wakefield. Um, the bass was Miss Christine. And uh, Devin Burtz, um did the mixing and mastering. And uh, the guitar, all the guitars were me. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to make sure they did get credited. For your yeah, song, sure. was there anyone besides you? Was that, I don't know if... In that particular track, no. Okay. Um, and I do love featuring friends on on uh, my work, but that particular song, it, there, it's just me. Yeah. That's cool. That particular EP, the Fate Weaving EP, the first song features my friend Yamani Schneider on guitar. The third track after Ineffable has my buddy Curtis on bass and my friend Drew Manning on lead guitar. Cool. And then the final track, um, my friends Lucinda and Ella do some backup vo vocals on that one. So that one's pretty, pretty, uh, 
low key as far as the collaborations. The Solati album had like probably over twelve people involved on that one. Oh, I'll have to check it out. Thanks again for inviting okay. me. I yeah, man, it. for sure. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm glad we were able to do this. And thank you again for listening to this podcast. If you made it this far into this episode, thank you once again. And uh, why not come join our Discord server? I'll leave a invitation link in the description and the comments. It's essentially a microcosm of social media. So come microdose some media with us and share some of your favorite songs, your favorite podcasts, uh, whatever it is you're working on. We've got a book club that we're thinking about blooming, an accountability group, and all sorts of goodies. So meet us on over there.